Hello, it's Tax Credit Tuesday. I am Michael Novogratik, and this is the Novogratik Report on Tax Credits. In this week's podcast, we will review the details of the Neighborhood Stabilization Act of 2008, legislation being discussed in the House that would create a $15 billion HUD administered loan and grant program for the purchase and rehabilitation of owner vacated foreclosed homes. This week, we will also discuss the approximate size of the 2008 low income housing tax credit equity market and the key dynamics at play in determining the pricing for low-income housing tax credits. This podcast is presented each week by Novogratz and Company, LLP, a national accounting and consulting firm that specializes in the fields of affordable housing, community development, and renewable energy. We encourage you to learn more about our firm by visiting us online at www.novaco.com. But first, we have a breaking news update about the status of the housing stimulus bills being considered by Congress. As we have discussed in previous podcasts, there are two very different housing stimulus proposals being considered by legislators in the House and the Senate. After the Senate had passed H.R. 3221, the Foreclosure Prevention Act of 2008, the House Ways and Means Committee approved H.R. 5720, the Housing Assistance Tax Act of 2008, a significantly different housing stimulus proposal introduced by Ways and Means Committee Chairman Charles Rangel of New York. Current predictions indicate that Congressman Rangel's housing stimulus proposal, which includes many provisions to modernize and improve the low-income housing tax credit, will be heard on the floor in May. In the meantime, we urge supporters of the LHTC modernization provisions to help champion these important improvements. Last week, the Affordable Housing Tax Credit Coalition reported that White House representatives recently told Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi of California that the White House opposed raising the bond cap to finance rental housing or increasing the attractiveness to investors of tax credits for rental property. The coalition reports that these White House representatives said, and I quote, Congressional action should be focused on helping families remain in their homes, not on subsidizing the investments of rental property owners, end quote. The coalition responded with a letter sent last week in which it stated its strong support for H.R. 5720, the Affordable Housing Tax Act of 2008. The letter noted the substantial bipartisan support that exists for the measure and argued that, quote, affordable rental housing can stabilize and sustain neighborhoods in the long term. Copies of these letters can be found online at www.taxcredithousing.com. Also last week, the Housing Advisory Group encouraged supporters of the housing tax credit to focus their efforts on garnering support for S-2666, the Affordable Housing Assistance Act of 2008, for inclusion in the final housing stimulus package that will come out of a House and Senate conference process. The Housing Advisory Group has drafted an industry letter for advocates to use as a template for a letter to their senators. The group suggests that individuals and groups personalize the letter and include some specifics about the affordable housing needs in their state and explain why S-2666 is critical to meeting those needs. A copy of the letter template can be downloaded from www.tashroadhousing.com by clicking on Legislation in the main menu and scrolling down to the link for S-2666 and related documents. Supporters of the LHTC Modernization Improvement Package are also encouraged to attend our Credit and Bond Financing Conference on May 15th and 16th in New Orleans. Industry leaders will gather at this conference to discuss the latest developments affecting the affordable housing community, including these important pieces of legislation please visit www.novaco.com events to join us in New Orleans. Now let's get started with our first topic, the Neighborhood Stabilization Act of 2008. H.R. 
5818 was introduced on April 16th by Representative Maxine Waters of California, and the Financial Services Committee held a hearing on the bill on April 23rd. The Neighborhood Stabilization Act would establish a $15 billion HUD-administered loan and grant program for the purchase and rehabilitation of owner-vacated foreclosed homes. Supporters say the measure would help stabilize neighborhoods that are suffering from the adverse effects of the subprime mortgage crisis. It would help ensure that foreclosed homes would be occupied as soon as possible and not leave neighborhoods vacant and vulnerable to blight. Half the funds, totaling $7.5 billion, would be allocated for loans, and the other half, $7.5 billion, would be for grants. Under the proposed law, each state's loan and grant authority would be based on their state's percentage of nationwide foreclosures over the last four calendar quarters, adjusted to account for the state's relative median home price. States would be permitted to allocate funds to not-for-profits or government entities, such as housing authorities. The groups could then use the funds for the purchase, rehabilitation, and resale of these houses, either for home ownership or rental use. The bill would require states to direct funds to specific cities based on a formula that factors cities' share of total state foreclosures and relative home prices. Financing under this new program would be non-recourse, zero-interest loans for the acquisition and rehabilitation costs. The federal government would be repaid from the resale, or in the case of rental properties, refinance proceeds. The proposal would require home ownership property loans to be repaid within two years. The maximum loan term for rental properties would be five years. In addition, the federal government would receive 20% of any appreciation a property owner realizes at resale. Grant funds under the new program could be used for a host of costs, including property taxes and insurance, during the pre-occupancy phase, as well as operating costs such as property management fees, property acquisition costs, and state and grantee administrative costs. The proposal would also provide grants to cover down payment and closing cost assistance. The plan stipulates that homes purchased for resale must be sold to families having incomes that do not exceed 140% of area median gross income, or AMI. Properties purchased for rental would be required to serve families with incomes at or below AMI. However, states would be required to give a preference to activities serving the lowest income families for the longest period and to homeowners whose mortgages have been foreclosed. The bill also would give states the explicit authority to provide preferences for otherwise income-eligible veterans, teachers, and the homeless. H.R. 5818 proposes that at least 50% of the grant money be targeted to house families whose incomes are at or below 50% of AMI, and not less than half of this money must target families whose incomes are at or below 30% of AMI. The bill would also explicitly prohibit discrimination against voucher holders and provide eviction protections for tenants and foreclosed properties. The measure currently has 16 co-sponsors, and we will continue to follow its progress in future podcasts as well as following it online at www.taxcredithousing.com, where you can currently find a copy of the bill, a link to a list of co-sponsors, and a summary of the bill's provisions provided by the House Financial Services Committee. Our second topic for discussion today is another look at the equity market, this time in terms of its size and the factors that affect tax credit pricing. In light of recent developments in the financial area, a significant level of interest has developed as to the current level of demand for LHTCs, or housing tax credits. A common concern is that while approximately $7 billion 
is invested annually in new housing tax credits. Over the last couple of years, notable large investors have reduced or eliminated additional investing by roughly 3 to $4 billion. This has caused many to wonder where additional capital could be raised, because some worry that these receding sources of capital may not be replaced, and demand for LHTCs will fall to the point that sellers of the tax credits will not be able to find buyers at any reasonable price. However, we believe this outcome is unlikely for two primary reasons. First, as prices being paid for housing tax credits fall, yields correspondingly rise, and new investors are enticed by higher yields to enter the market. Second, as a matter of somewhat basic math, as LHTC prices fall, the aggregate LHTC equity that needs to get raised also falls. The current pool of 9% LHTCs allocated annually is approximately $6.5 billion. And the annual housing tax credits generated on 4% tax and bond projects is approximately $1 billion. This results in a relatively stable supply of new housing tax credits of approximately $7.5 billion each year. Over the last few years, credit prices have topped out at about a dollar per credit, which has resulted in a total for aggregate annual equity raised of approximately $7.5 billion. Currently, we hear that developers are getting anywhere between $0.76 cents and $0.93 cents for tax credits, depending on the location of the property and other features of the property. At one end of the spectrum, tax credits are fetching in the low $0.90 cent range for transactions in urban areas with significant CRA needs. At the other end of the spectrum, rural deals with less investor demand are seeing prices in the high 70s. And in between, a range of prices is being reported for the variety of deals that fall somewhere in the middle. Based on an average current price of $0.80 to cents to $0.85 per credit, the aggregate size of the equity market is significantly lower than the $7.5 billion referred to previously. It actually falls $1 to $1.5 billion to the $6.5 billion to $6 billion range. In addition to the shrinking of the aggregate new equity market due to a drop in credit price, the heretofore relatively small pool of existing investors should also continue to increase. In recent years, as credit prices have soared to levels approaching and often exceeding a dollar per credit, many investors exited the market in search of better risk-adjusted yields, leaving far behind fewer investors such as large financial institutions and government-sponsored entities, many of which invest in the housing tax credit market for reasons other than pure yield. Not surprisingly, we've seen that as housing tax credit yields have been rising, many investors from other industries, such as companies from the insurance, energy, and the high-tech world, are entering the market, lured by the now higher returns. These investors are being lured to housing tax credit investments because as equity prices decrease, the attractiveness of housing tax credits as an investment increases, often dramatically vis-a-vis alternative investment vehicles. As an illustration, an after-tax yield to investors of approximately 4.5% results in a credit price of about 93 to $0.96 cents to a developer. However, as the yield rises to 6% for the investor, the credit price to developers falls to $0.86 to $0.83. Cents. Similarly, a further rise in the yield to 7% drops developer pricing to less than $0.80, cents, and a yield of 8% would drop credit prices to less than $0.75. Cents. Absent similar significant upward movement in the expected yield to be generated by alternative investments, investors will be inclined to invest more capital in housing tax credits and less capital in other less lucrative investments. 
The expected result of an expansion of the pool of potential investors coupled with a drop in the aggregate capital to be raised due to the drop in credit prices should help the industry to raise the capital necessary to place the full $7.5 billion in annual credits. The current state of the LHTC market is covered in considerable detail in the May issue of the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credit Housing. In addition to the Washington Wire column, in which today's podcast is discussed further, this month's journal features interviews with LHTC investors and syndicators about the prices they are seeing for housing tax credits. A summary of the efforts state housing agencies are making to work with developers to weather the current downturn in pricing is also discussed. And finally, we have a commentary contributed by Bob Moss of Boston Capital that looks at what he has dubbed the correction year of 2008 and how we as an industry got to this point. If you are not already subscribing to the journal, we encourage you to consider subscribing online at www.novaco.com products. The May issue is a must-read for affordable housing professionals, so even if you are not ready to subscribe, please note that individual copies are available on our website. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's report. Please join us again next Tuesday when we'll update you on the recent activity of the New Market Tax Credit Technical Working Group. We're also going to review the bonus depreciation provisions included in the Senate's Foreclosure Prevention Act. And, as we do each week, we'll bring you any breaking news. And with Congress in session, with numerous tax credit-related bills being discussed, we fully expect to have more breaking news next week. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.